Coming up next on the Brandon's World Podcast, Brandon's itself with good friend Gabe Carrero from TV2 and the voice of Kent State Aggie at Kent State University. The duo discusses Steelers versus Browns, plus the Cleveland Guardians, and all the rule changes coming to Major League Baseball. The Brandon's World Podcast starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general agents, you are listening live to an episode of Brandon's World here on this Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. And for the first time in maybe about a year, I am my man from TV2, Kent State University, the new producer over there at TV2, Gabe Carrera, fellow Steelers fan. Gabe, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Happy to hop back on here. It's been a while, Brandon. So let's let's have some fun. Yeah, it has been a while. You know, last time I brought you on, I think, was the uh, week eight preview last year when the Steelers, obviously, with Ben Roethlisberger at the time, went up to Cleveland and defeated the Browns in that really just weird, awful ball game they played up there in Cleveland uh, in late October. And so here we are. It's a Thursday night. Obviously, both teams this year have to have two different quarterbacks, obviously two different situations. But they almost, and, I, and I've been saying this, you know, Roy, throughout the whole offseason, it almost feels like, you know, the Browns obviously are not going to have Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett is going to start. When you have Brissett with his kind of limited mobility, and then in my opinion, you have Mitch Trubisky, who's, who's, who's won a lot of games, but we all know isn't going to take you more than likely to the promised land. It really is a pretty even matchup to me between these two teams. Yeah, I, I think the spread is like three points or something. It's it's a close game. Vegas thinks it's going to be a close game. Um, Mitch Trubisky has, I think, given a little something that the Steelers – given the Steelers a little something that they haven't had in recent years with Ben, and that's a little bit more mobility – He's, he's a lot more athletic than Ben Roethlisberger was. I mean, like, obviously, prime Ben Roethlisberger was a different story. Mm-hmm. But and when you got to the back half of his career, you know, he kind of planted himself in the pocket, struggled to move around a little bit. Yeah, That's what Trubisky can offer. He can throw on the run. He can, he can make some plays with his legs. The thing that I've been the most concerned with through the first couple weeks of the season is some of the reads that he's making, man, because he's missing some some wide-open yeah. receivers. And it doesn't seem like with this offensive scheme they want to use the middle of the field all that much. A lot of the shots are going to the outside, you know, drag routes, swing routes, um, shot plays on third and, you know, whatever. We we don't have to talk about that because that just pisses me off. But uh, it, it it it's also frustrating with how poorly the offensive line has played in terms of run blocking. You know, because they, they really haven't been that bad in pass blocking scenarios. I mean, Trubisky's stayed relatively clean. It's the run blocking that I've been really concerned with. and And I think – you know, with Najee Harris having that first year behind such a poor offensive line, it's going to stun his development a little bit. And he still rushed for 1,200 yards behind a line like that, and he's coming back to a similar thing. I think when you're trying to make something out of nothing, you end up missing running lanes that are that are there because you're surprised that they even are there. Um, so, obviously, the offense has a lot of work. Um, I know in this game there's potential for Miles Garrett to not play. And we know TJ Watt is not playing, so I don't, and I don't anticipate any pass rush, yes. <laughs> because we are. I mean, we already know Jadavian Clowney's out, um, and TJ Watt is out, so that that leaves you know Alex Highsmith on the outside for the Steelers, and you know who knows for the Browns, right? I mean, they picked Isaac Rochelle back up, I mm-hmm. think. Um, 
So, you know, that this could be either just a really ugly game or, you know, Brissett and Trubisky could just bounce feet off each other and, and we could see some fireworks. It's it's really interesting, I feel, because Mike Tomlin, as we know, is great as a underdog. I mean, I I was one of those people that entering week one, I thought Cincinnati with their brand new offensive line. Obviously, the way they flat out just destroyed Pittsburgh last year in, in both those games. I thought you might see Cincinnati again around Pittsburgh. Obviously, that did not happen. Steelers got out to the big week, and that game was crazy. And then, you know, last week against New England, you know, we kind of knew it was going to be a low-scoring defensive slugfest. You know, obviously, the ball bounced New England's way a little more at, at the end, and they were able to run out the clock. But I just... I, there, there's always something I feel like I'm missing for the Steelers because every year it feels like they end up with with eight or nine victories, and I just I don't see where in today's 2022 NFL where we see you know offensive firepower all around this league, and yet the Steelers are are one of these teams that are still doing it via defense and taking care of, of the football. But I'm not so sure when you go up against these teams, and we saw it a little bit in the postseason last year, when you go up against a Kansas City, when you go up against a Buffalo, when you go up against, you know, who whoever you, you want to name as an explosive offense, I don't think Pittsburgh's really there anymore. I don't think the fear really is like, oh, we're going to Heinz Field. This is going to be a really tough ball game for us to keep up with the Steelers' offense anymore. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, obviously, you think back to like 2016, 17, when Le'Veon Bell's around, when Antonio Brown is around, you know, when, when even Martavis Bryant was around, the, the killer bees, we called them. And, you know, that offense was so good and the defense was not. Yeah, it's so, so it's, we've seen a little bit of a shift yeah. um, back to the more old school Steelers style, which is, you know, win it with defense. And yes. I, it, and I do agree with you that I think the book is going to be out on that a little bit. Um, obviously, new defensive coordinator Keith Butler retires. Um, Terrell Austin steps in. Um, and, you know, no more Kevin Colbert. Omar, Omar Khan steps in as GM. Um, and Matt Canada is entering his second year as the offensive coordinator. So outside of Mike Tomlin, there's just not a lot of consistency in the organization right now. And, and, I guess that's not true to an extent because you know, you know what the Steelers do. They hire from the yes. inside. They don't really look um, elsewhere in terms of filling their positions. But, you know, I it, it, it's been a real shift and the offense is a problem. And I don't – and especially with T.J. Watt hurt now, I don't think defense can yeah. win you as many games as you're thinking. I mean, you know, just, just the difference that T.J. Watt makes is just – it's unbelievable. It, you a cannot overstate it. In, in in today's NFL, you need quarterback, you need weapons, and, and, and you need a pass rush. I mean, we saw, you know, really last year's two Super Bowl teams, the Rams and the Bengals, they did not have great offensive lines. They they were average, and in Danny's case, they weren't very good at all. And yet, just because they had a quarterback, they had a pretty good defense that created turnovers. They got up the quarterback, and they had probably the most depth and weapons in the league. They ended up making the Super Bowl. And so where I'm going with this is, you know, when I went to the Steelers offseason, it was crazy because obviously the Browns ended up ended up getting Deshaun Watson. It was now spending 11 games, as we know. The Bengals still have Joe Burrow. The Ravens still have Lamar Jackson, though we have no idea what's going on with that contract situation, which I think Baltimore would be crazy not to pay him, in my opinion. So because of that, 
the Steelers, I, I look at it and I go, no, no matter if it's Mitchell Trubisky or or Kenny Pickett, right now when Deshaun Watson comes back, you're probably fourth best quarterback in the division. And I don't know if that can be a playoff team year in and year out. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely would say that, yes, fourth best quarterback in the division. And I honestly can tell you that I think we will see Kenny Pickett at some point this season. Um, you know, when that happens, I'm not sure, but I doubt Trubisky starts the entire year. I would be shocked um, to see him start the entire year. But I mean, the Cincinnati game was just purely one on defense. Yes. And Mitch Trubisky was not good last week. We don't have to sugarcoat it at all. He he was terrible last week, I think, to be frank. And um, I, it, the, the quarterback play has to improve because you can't keep blaming the offensive line forever. The pass blocking has been sufficient. So I something's got to change. Well, shifting to kind of the Browns' offensive side of of the ball, you know, when Jacoby Brissett has been in there for the first two games, I have said it, I don't think he's looked impressive at all. I didn't think he looked very impressive in preseason at all, to be quite frank with you. We know the Browns blew blew that game at the end of the game Sunday, which was completely unexcusable. Brissett ended up intentional grounding week one, and they would have lost to Carolina, but the officials ended up picking up the flag. So I look at the Browns and Steelers, and I said, in in our opening today as kind of a mirror match. There are two teams that are really based on the run, especially without Watson in there. And it feels like Brissett is almost like Trubisky in a way where he is not willing to make a mistake. He is not willing to throw the football down the field. And besides Amari Cooper, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is an okay receiver. He's not anything special. We've seen the struggles Anthony Schwartz has dealt with since coming to Cleveland. So outside of Cooper, the Browns really don't have any great weapons either offensively. It's really based on that run game of an on. And if your defense can get, you know, percent to those third down and longs, I think the Browns are in trouble. I don't necessarily think this is going to be an easy victory for them either. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's prime time, and we, we know what happened the last time these two teams played on Thursday Night Football. Yes. Um, you know, so it'll be gritty. It'll be it'll be yeah. a tough, a hard-fought game. But, yeah, I, I the Browns' offense is, I think, more so based on the run than the Steelers' yes. offense is even, especially with Brissett at quarterback. I yeah. love that you make because because if Watson's in, it's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. I mean, you've got two very passive quarterbacks in Brissett and Trubisky, guys that take care of the ball a little too much. Yes, I would almost say that's that's and- that's the thing that that has been my argument when I when I watched Brissett, like I even said on Sunday, and I know you. you you know this guy because he spent a little bit of time in Pittsburgh. I'm even saying, why not put in Dobbs for a little bit? Because I feel like Dobbs would at least throw the football down the field or at least give you a little bit more mobility. Percent is not mobile, and he, he's not, he is too scared right now, I feel, to throw the football down the field. And it's why you're seeing the Browns now late in games, not able to score. It feels like they get up early, but then they're not able to put away games late because teams in the second half, they figure out that that, that offense, that if you're sending basically eight, nine people at, at the running back, whoever that, that running back may be, it's really, again, 
Amari Cooper dependent, and we all know Amari Cooper that is is up and down throughout his career. He's now on his third team. It's really dependent on those receivers, which are not, you know, by any means 1A, 1B receivers to go out and make plays for a quarterback that won for the football down the field. Yeah, it's it's a really run-heavy offense, and if you stack the box against a, an, an offense like that, you're going to have to force Brissett to beat you. And I think with a prototypical game manager quarterback like Brissett, you know, a guy that that's just kind of there to hand the ball off, make a throw or two when you need him to. If you force him to beat you throwing the ball, I don't think he's going to do that. And and I don't I don't know that Trubisky would do that either. But I think I would probably take him over Brissett. Um, but but I, this is this is a really simple game plan to, to to plan for the Browns right now. I think you you want to key in on the run first and foremost, and and after that you just got to you got to play coverage and. See what happens. <laughs> so as a Steelers fan, you know, obviously we know everything that's happened with Deshaun Watson off, off the field for the Browns, and now he's suspended 11 games. But when you are the Browns were, were acquiring the former national champion quarterback, what was your reaction? I was shocked because <laughs> I, I remember all the stories coming out. I swore it was going to be either Atlanta or Carolina. Yeah. I thought it would be one of those NFC South teams. And then, you know, we heard news that like Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play in Cleveland. Okay. Okay. So that you can, you can factor that out. And then you see the money that they offered him. You're like, okay, well, why wouldn't he do that? So I, yeah, I was just shocked. And I think it really, it really affected the quarterback market. You you look at Kyler Murray's contract. You look at what Lamar Jackson's contract is eventually going to be. It's going to be crazy. So I want to ask you a question about the Green Bay Packers. Because they're they're a team. I know me and you, we've obviously talked about two stagnant offenses. Green Bay, I I do not understand for the white me, just like I didn't understand why Houston traded away DeAndre Hopkins a couple of years ago. I understand you know the Aaron Rodgers situation, Aaron Rodgers and all his offseason drama. He got 50 million. Obviously, Devontae Anzi, they 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 could have paid him that money. Obviously, he kind of felt like it was best off for, for, for him to go to Vegas and link up with, with Derek Carr and that and that Raider offense. But man, now they're using banged up Sammy Watkins, who we know isn't going to be in there for the next six weeks, almost guaranteed. He's going to get hurt here at some point. You're using a veteran in, in, in Randall Cobb, you know, two rookie receivers who don't seem very, very, very promising yet. They are almost like the Browns, you know, in a way where they have two running backs that are basically the primary of, of your offense and every. Everybody thinks that Green Bay is going to be a Super Bowl contender, and I just don't see it. I don't see it either, and and it's because of that receiving core. I mean, when you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the great anticipators in the game's history, you know, he, he knows where you're going before you do. He knows what throw he's going to make before, you know. So so as a rookie receiver, I think that's kind of tough to adjust to. So like Christian Watson for – for example, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to have that ball placed perfectly. You might not be ready for it. And and I think that was what set their offense apart last year was when they had Devontae Adams. You know, the, the chemistry between Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, it was there. 
you know, and, and I think that's why in part he wanted Randall Cobb back. I think you'll see it with Alan Lazard this season as it continues on, but these rookie receivers got an adjustment to make. I mean, you, Christian Watson is adjusting from FCS football here, North Dakota state yeah. to Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So I, I think as these receivers will improve as the season goes on, as they get used to Aaron Rodgers. Um, but right now it doesn't surprise me at all that they're struggling uh, to throw the ball. And you know, it, the same thing happened a couple of years ago, or I guess last year with with uh, with the Packers laying an egg in week one mm. against the Saints. It happens again this year, laying an egg in Minnesota on uh, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell's coaching debut for the Vikings. But they'll pick it up. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will be good. David Bakhtiari is close for the first time in what feels like, you know, you know, ages. Yeah. But um, I, I – I don't think this Packers team is a contender, though. I don't think their offense is at that elite level that it used to be when they had Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota has certainly improved on paper. You know, Kirk Cousins is not playing in a, in a Monday night football game. He's, he's really good. Um, you know, the Lions are, are obviously improved. Dan Campbell, as much as, you know, everybody wanted to make fun about him fighting kneecaps off, you know, we see how, how hard that team plays hard for him. And, you know, Chicago, obviously, I think Chicago's in, in a rebuild, and we'll see what they do with Justin Fields. We'll see if they can get him some more offensive support. But, yeah, that, that division is really interesting. It, it is interesting. Uh, and and I, I like that you bring up the Lions because their offense looked awesome in the first I, couple of I, I got to tell you, I was making a joke with somebody about, about fantasy football, and I said, if you could start a quarterback for eight or nine games a year, Jared Goff in a dome is like, seriously, he is a number one pick, like top five to top 10 quarterback. If you watch him play every single home game, he's played as a Detroit Lion on the road or, or outside of a kind of warm weather place. He looks like a, a backup, maybe a third string quarterback. I've, I've <laughs> never seen. You know, a team that's so hot and cold, and they, they have a good culture. Obviously, they're building a little bit defensively. Ahmad Ron St. Brown looks like he's taking the next step. They have a good TJ Atkinson, Jamison Williams, who they drafted out, out of Alabama. I think when he comes back, he's going to be a really good wide wide receiver option for them. So, I mean, the Lions, I didn't predict them to, to make the playoffs this year, but I thought they'd be a more improved football team. You know, maybe somewhere between six and eight wins, somewhere around there, which I'm sure those fans would take. But yeah, this this division, you know, as we said, it's it's crazy because I don't think, you know, I think Green Bay will probably win it. Though would I be surprised if Minnesota steals a game here or there and wins the division? No, I wouldn't either. Yeah, I agree. I think the only division right now that's kind of more confusing than that one is the AFC South. Oh my goodness, is that yeah. brutal? I mean, so so I said about the South, I'm shocked about the Colts. Um, I kind of feel like that Frank Reich is on that Doug Peterson path at the end of his Philadelphia days where you just kind of need a new voice, right? They've been through so many different quarterbacks and so many different changes. It kind of just feels that, that the, the Colts are kind of on their last gas. Tennessee, I did say this year, I did not think that they were going to be good. They're, they were kind of my pullback team this year because I just I don't think they, that you can lose A.J. Brown Plus Julio Jones when he was healthy and really just strictly Ryan Derrick Henry. So I looked at them and I said, you know, Jacksonville, are they really the best team in the South right now? It's crazy to think, but they certainly look like it. 
Yeah, they do. I mean, James Robinson's been great. Travis Etienne is a good third down back. And Christian Kirk's playing like he's worth the contract. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously the first year of Trevor Lawrence was a wash with Urban oh, Meyer. I mean, he, you don't even count. It's like this, this is his rookie year. I mean, when when you go through, obviously, such a bad experience that he did. That team was such a mess last year. But it's crazy because it really shows that in the NFL, it's the one sport, I think, where coaching can really make a huge difference. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because Doug Peterson will do a better job than Urban Meyer. I mean, Urban Meyer was never fit to coach in the NFL. I, I think that Jacksonville team – they yeah. might have a real shot to win the division. I had to tell you, man, these first two weeks, I mean, the Giants are 2-0. and Who the hell would have thought that? I mean, you, you got Jacksonville right now leading the AFC South. You know, Houston, even Davis Mills. Like, Houston does not look like a complete dumpster fire. Russell Wilson has really struggled in Denver the first two weeks. You know, Kansas City without Tyreek Hill is putting up as many points as they did, you know, when he was there. I mean, it's it's been an insane first two weeks. I'm barely at 500 right now, picking games on uh, on the money line. It's been probably one of my worst starts in the last four or five years. But it it just goes to show that you know any given Sunday anything can happen. Yeah, it's always good to have parity in the league. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And like we're doing Survivor League for TV too. And I, I was okay. like, I picked the Bengals last week, and I was so confident. You know, I was like, I was yeah. like Cooper well, Rush. Against Burrow, I'm so confident yep. the Bengals. And I know. You know, last year I was picking games mostly based on the best quarterback, and it worked. And this year it hasn't really worked. We've seen a lot of upsets. And for, for the record, I had Denver week one in my survivor pool, and uh, Geno Smith ruined that opening night. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. A lot, well, lot of people had Denver in ours, too. Well, let me ask you this for kind of our last football question. Who was your going into this season? Who was the team that you said, you know, not a lot of people are looking at this team, but I really think they can be a real sleeper, potential playoff contender. And then who is that one team that you thought, you know, maybe people are high on, but I think they're going to take a step back. Uh, for me, the, the team that I thought was a real sleeper was the Lions, man. I, yeah, I just, I agree. With you. I saw, I saw the weapons that they had. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown had a great rookie year and I knew he was going to take that step uh, up to number one receiver status. I mean, Josh Reynolds is not a guy that you can sleep on. Great deep threat has chemistry previously with with Jared Goff because he played for the Rams too. Um, you know, TJ Hawkinson, really good tight end. They have a solid offensive line. Penny Suell is entering his second year. Taylor Decker, so their tackles are really solid. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams is just a really good one-two punch at running back too. And their offense is really good. Like, yeah. and it kind of came out of nowhere, right? And and this is even without Jamison Williams playing it, you know, I had the lions down for nine wins yeah. when this season started. I think they could maybe even get to 10. I, I don't, I don't want to get too crazy now, but I think, I think nine wins is really realistic for motor city. And as for a team that I really thought would take a step back, I think it's the Titans. I mean, yeah, just I, get I, it, I agree get with it you again, getting rid of AJ Brown, getting rid of Julio Jones, that allows people to kind of give you the Browns treatment, right? I mean, you, you stack the box, you go after Derrick Henry, who does Ryan Tannehill have to throw to and can Ryan Tannehill even distribute the ball? Yeah. I mean, he's got Robert Woods, he's got Traylon Burks and that's really it. I mean, I, I said this, it, it may sound crazy because I don't think he's ready to go at all yet, but I think you might as well make the move to Malik Willis right now. Because I think the one thing Malik would do 
is on those zone read RPOs. I think at least you have to honor that with him. And so you could at least run the ball a little bit more with Henry to maybe set up those shots down the field. Obviously, I don't think he's running as much as a passer right now, but that offense has maybe one of the worst offense in football for the first two weeks of the season. They've not one of the worst. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I mean, Malik Willis provides a different aspect to the game. Yep. And then Ryan Tannehill's more mobile than than some starting quarterbacks, but he's not as mobile as Malik Willis. Exactly. Uh, Malik Willis, a lot of people considered him to be the top quarterback in the draft, and obviously he slides. Uh, he was definitely the, by far the most raw talent at quarterback in the draft, I think. So he's going to be underdeveloped throwing the ball. He's going to take some chances. He's going to be a gunslinger, I think. Um but I would I would consider it too. I mean, they they did go to him uh, uh, on Monday when the game was out of reach against Buffalo. Um, I stopped watching. I have no idea how he did. That game was boring because the Bills are just a wagon and they yeah. look like they're going to destroy everybody. But you know, maybe you do flirt with going to Malik Willis. I I don't know that it would be a horrible. I, I don't understand. You know, at least give him a package. Maybe ten out of starts, but you give Malik Willis kind of those short yardage situations. Maybe some red zone stuff where you know, and you don't even have to have him hand it off or run it every time. Build in some some RPOs. You know, some bubbles or a little slant here, a little you know something there, just to honor the defense and give your star running back you know room to run because right now it's mostly under center or if it's in the shotgun they're just shooting that gap and Derek Henry has nowhere to run I don't think it's a Henry problem I think it's a scheme problem yeah and they're going to be without Taylor Luan for the rest of the season too which is just bad news I mean that's one of the one of the top tier tackles in the game um I think Tennessee is at a point where if you put a rookie quarterback in it's not going to stunt his development because I think the team is good enough to win games with Malik Willis in um you know, whether Mike Vrabel feels that way, I can't speak for him, obviously, but um, it's it's just been a rough start for everybody in the AFC South, particularly Tennessee and Indianapolis. Well, speaking of, you know, Cleveland teams, obviously they we previewed the Brown Steelers, but how about the Cleveland Guardians this year? I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people had them for, for fourth place. I did not. I thought that they were going to be right here. I didn't know necessarily that they were going to win the division, but I thought they'd be around this mark where they are at right now with about 81 wins. I projected them at about 85 so wins this season. But these kids, man, they are so deep in the farm system, and then you add in all of the guys that they have brought up this year to go along with now the starting pitching that is finally going to get started after they struggled really the first two months of the season. You know, I think that we all don't think that they're a World Series contender. I don't think they can match up with Houston. I don't think they can match up with with the Yankees necessarily. But you give me a three-game series against either Tampa, Toronto, or Seattle, who have obviously had their number this season in, in a wild card round. These guys, the thing I love about them is they don't know the game is over. And sometimes when you are so young, you're just out there playing the game, and they play so well together. I know a lot of people were shocked that they didn't make a move at the deadline, but it looks like this front office and their decision to not make a move really paid off because they're really starting to grow with that chemistry. It looked like they knew what they were doing for sure. Like, I mean, you make one move for a AAA pitcher, and, and everybody's kind of like sn- snuffing their nose at that, especially yeah. after seeing what – what the Padres were able to get Juan Soto for mm-hmm. 
mean, obviously it's, it's a lot of prospects and it's, it's a good quality, you know, pitcher right now. Um, but you're not going to trade Arias. You're not going to trade Nolan Jones. You're not going to trade Will Benson. You're not going to trade, you know, Tristan McKenzie, who's probably what it would take to push that needle in the right direction. But the, the young, the young kids have been so good. I mean, Tyler Freeman, hasn't been that bad uh jose ramirez has played at an mvp level all season and it's a shame because he's being overshadowed right now by otani and judge and i think judge is unanimously the mvp right i mean 60 home runs is just crazy um but the the guardians don't seem to i like that you make that point they don't know that the game is over i mean steven kwan has been one of the best contact hitters yes in all of baseball i dare you to show me a better rookie Than 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 Stephen Kwan this year, I think he should be a lock for AL Rookie of the Year. And the pitching has been the starting pitching has been really good. Obviously, Savali is healthy now, but um, Bieber has worked to get that velocity back up to where it was a couple of years ago. This year, he started to look more solid. Tristan McKenzie has has turned himself into an ace on a lot of teams. I think he's been excellent, and Cal Quantrill has been really good too. He's taken another step. Uh, in the right direction. Um, I, some concerns with the bullpen, but not that bad. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I said, I thought at the deadline, if they were going to make a move, I thought it maybe be for a back, you know, not a ninth inning guy. Cause you have Quasi. but I thought the, as you said, their biggest issue to me is how do you get to Quasi? You know, once it's the starters, no went out, right? I mean, you're working with Brian Shaw. Now you're yeah. working with, um, Todd, Names are escaping me right now, but you, you, you know, you have, you know, Karen check, obviously, you know, he seems to be up and down or whatever when he's on, he's really yeah. good, you know? And so, like I said, I don't think they're necessarily a, a world series contender, but you know, they play really hard. I don't think this is a fluke. I think that they are only going to get better. And the only way to me that this team does not continue to rise up and become a championship contender in the next couple of seasons is the real question is, you know, the health of manager Terry Francona. Because um, I know Tito has made some comments, obviously, about, you know, his recent health and these guys are fun, but he doesn't know how physically he's going to be able to do, you know, at the next level for for this much longer. That really is my biggest concern with this team because we've seen, you know, teams that, that the Indians slash Guardians have had with Frank Ona and without him, you know, even the same team, they don't look the same. No, Francona has been just awesome ever since he's come to Cleveland from Boston. Um, and it, it really is different. I mean, you think back to the talent that even Manny Acta had. I mean, he yeah. had some guys like, you know, like Grady Sizemore, like Travis Hafner, um, you know, some, some of those other bigger names, really good hitters, but the teams just kind of sucked. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. They, um, they had some good first halves, and then by the second half of the season, they'd be 10 games under 500 quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Francona is really the heartbeat that keeps this team going. And I, for me, the, my knock on Tito was always, well, he doesn't play the young guys. Well, he doesn't really have any options this year. And he has been playing the young guys now and look where it's gotten them. I mean, they're nine wins away from 90 on the year, whether they get there, I don't know. Um, Looking to sweep the White Sox, that would be huge. I mean, you win these next two, the White Sox are probably, probably in the coffin. I I mean, that pretty much would seal the, the central division, you would think, considering that now they have the tiebreaker as well with that amazing game last night. 
Yeah, have four, 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 five runs in the eleventh, four, five. I, I, yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, crazy, crazy, really good performances all around. This, they, they look like a complete ball team. Yeah. They're fun to watch too, man. They're fun. Well, Gabe, I got to get your opinion real quick on all these rule changes that that are happening in baseball, uh, because I am a a traditionalist, admittedly. Um, now, I was there at that marathon 15-inning game Saturday night, crazy game. But, you know, I was looking at that runner on second base, and I was thinking to myself, because I never really, really liked the rule to begin with. I think, you know, I don't understand why more teams don't bump the runner over to third base more. Um, you know, I think that's a strategic move that should be made more. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe the 10th and 11th inning, you do a normal inning. And then in the 12th inning, if you want to go and put a guy on first base or something like that, go ahead and do that. You know, the pitch clock to me, you know, we'll see if it really does speed up the game. You know, they say it does. They say it's worth the minors. We'll, we'll see how, how all this stuff works out. But kind of your take on all these changes in baseball over the last few years. Cause my biggest number one takeaway is you can make all the changes in the world that you want. To me, it's still not going to get people back in the game because they're still not marketing their stars. Yeah, that's their biggest problem. And and obviously you want the, I think they're making these rules to try and appeal to the younger audience. Yes. I mean, it, none of the younger audience knows who Mike Trout is. They exactly. don't know who Aaron Judge is. They don't market their stars. I mean, that's, that's the biggest problem is that, Baseball's not geared towards the youth, and I don't think changing the rules is going to do that. I mean, this is a game that it's it's America's pastime, right? I mean, this is this is something that people love to watch. The bigger bases, I hate it. Getting rid of the shift, I hate it. I um, hate it too. I, I said real, real, real quick of that shift. This is what I compared it to. It's like you're banning a zone or a man defensive cone football. You're, you're banning strategy. Like, I, I understand everybody says, oh, you know, it's really hard to hit the ball the other way if, 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 if you're a lefty. Well, if I'm a defense, if you're hitting the ball, to, you know, if you're a lefty, if you're hitting it to right field 90% of the time, why wouldn't I be able to shave that way? Yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> getting rid of strategy is a really good way to put it and just learn how to hit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really, that's, it's really that simple. Um, I really just, I don't know about outlawing the shift. I don't, I don't think I like it. The pitch clock, you know, I think that can get rid of some strategy too. I mean, you're standing there on the mound trying to get into the batter's head, right? They call time out. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think they're going to really change the game and you know, whether that's for better or the worse, we don't know yet. Um, but I would say I'm traditionalist too. I would agree with you. Well, I think the thing that baseball struggles with is you know, everybody points to time of game, time of game, time of game. My argument is a football game is the same amount of time as a baseball game. The the difference yep. is action. You know, in football, basketball, hockey, whatever sport it is, there's always constant action. And so unless these rule changes allow you to put the ball in play more, that may help a little bit, I guess. But still, most of these guys are still going to be taking pitches right down the plate because they're waiting for the perfect pitch to hit it, you know, hit it over the wall. It's a home run or a strikeout. And one of the things that have made the Guardians so much fun this year, along with being all the young kids, is they don't strike out. They really don't hit a ton of homers. They just put the ball in play and they run the bases well. Yeah, I lowest whiff rate in the league. I think they yeah. don't swing and miss at pitches. Yeah. I mean, they they don't play 
that new age sabermetrics analytical launch angle exit velocity type of game they just play the game and that's what's so fun about them i i've said this i understand baseball is a very analytical sport and we all know this i i don't like it i don't care about your swing rate i don't care about your launch angle put the damn ball in play and see what the hell happens and yeah, I agree with you. You know, we're seeing this, you know, and they're saying, oh, it helps or, or, or whatever. It really doesn't, in my opinion. Um, you know, you can manufacture runs the old school way. You know, I just talking about it. I wish more teams would bunt more, you know, to get that that run over to third base because it really is all about scoring. I I think that the only rule change I actually like is the universal DH. I thought that it was time, you know, pitchers, obviously they, unless you're in the national league and they really don't do much, probably most of them are hitting under a hundred anyways. I mean, it was seen as, as, as an automatic out. And then you also have to replace the pitcher because if you have a pinch hitter, you have to replace him in the national league and then it messes up your bench and, and everything that comes along with that. So the universal DH to me was the only good change. The rest of this stuff is going to be smoke and mirrors compared to what they actually need to do to improve the game because baseball is the one sport that might be literally dying. Yeah, you're you're totally right about that. And yeah, I like the universal DH. I don't think there's any reason for pitchers to be hitting. Except yeah. Shohei Otani. <laughs> He's fine. I mean, so I, I had this conversation with with a, a good buddy of ours, Christian Hayden, last year. I, 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 I brought him on around February when the whole lockout stuff was happening. We were talking about it as like baseball feels like the one sport that in 20, 30 years may actually be extinct. None of these kids are playing it anymore. They're playing lacrosse. Or they're playing other sports that 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 are you know suitable around that time and nobody's really teaching their kids the great game of baseball anymore because all they're teaching them to do is how to throw a strike out or hit a home run yeah it's i think it's gotten too flashy i don't think anyone really yeah. appreciates baseball for what it is anymore you know you go to the ballpark and you want to see you know just wicked break from the spider tack and you know just oh, insane yeah. velocity behind pitches and you want to see you want to see dudes hit bombs i mean that's that's what the audience of baseball these days seems to want. And I mean, you you go to a baseball game, and it doesn't matter what's happening for six, seven innings. That crowd is dead till it gets about yeah. the 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 eighth or ninth inning. It doesn't matter if it's eleven to ten or or, or or one to nothing, because everybody knows the game really doesn't start unless you're obviously blowing the team out until those bullpens get in in the late innings. Because every game is always so close. Yeah. Yep, you're absolutely right about that. And that again has what that's what makes the Guardians fun to watch. Yeah. I I think they play baseball the right way. I I totally concur. Well, Gabe, we're going to go ahead and leave it there for today. Appreciate you coming on. Again, good luck to the to the Steelers tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Obviously, big division game. It's we're trying to get you 2 0 in the division. Browns have their first divisional game of of the year and you know, man, it's going to be a crazy October. We got the NBA starting up, MLB playoffs, hockey starting up as well, along with the NFL. We're right in the middle of the season at that point. Yep. Best time of the year, man. Love to see it. Totally agree. All right, Gabe, go ahead and shout out your uh, social media stuff real quick if you want to. Yeah, man, go ahead. Follow me on Twitter at Gabe Kalura. Uh, make sure to follow TV station at TV2KSU Sports. 
Um, same on Instagram. I'm, I'm on Instagram at Gabe Calera, and we are also on Instagram on the TV station. Um, be sure to watch the Kent State hockey games when we start playing this Friday at Syracuse University Tennedy Ice Pavilion. We'll be there. We'll be there streaming the game. So uh, check it out just on YouTube, Kent State Hockey, and I think that's all I got for you, man. All right, sounds good, Gabe. Thanks so much for joining us. And as always, guys, we'll be back tomorrow with our week two NF or week three, excuse me, NFL picks and best bets. We'll see you guys then. And peace.